So here we are in our second season, and in this first episode, I met up with a fellow podcast pitch course mate, Kristen Moore. Kristen is more than just a math teacher. She's a modern-day educating badass that is shaking up the classroom and breaking the conventional model of learning numeracy. She launched her brand, More Than Just X, with the aim to help educators take their math class to the next level, whether virtually or in a school setting. Her experience and education has shown her how to teach others to break free from the boxed curriculum and design kick-ass projects that ignite a passion for learning and excite students by using real-world problem-solving skills and relevant project-based techniques. Her personal brand journey, like so many entrepreneurs that you met in season one, involved a pivotal point and a traumatic life experience that helped shape who she is today. These experiences also helped her endure through the pandemic by having a resilient mindset and the tenacity to thrive in a pandemic environment to reach her goals and excel in her purpose. Welcome, Kristen Moore, my next guest. And now we're on season two. So first guest for season two. Awesome. Well, congratulations on season two. I am excited to be the first guest of the season. 15th overall since I launched the podcast. Everybody's been pivoting and doing amazing things, including yourself, Kristen. So let's just dive right into it. I want to hear about your journey into online math teaching for secondary students. Absolutely. So I have been in education for the last 10 years, and I don't know how familiar your audience is with the educational model, but our current model is based off of the industrial model, which is like assembly lines and someone does one part and someone does the next part, right? And so that worked really well for a while, um, but our students are then siphoned off into individual silos about, you know, you're going to go to math class for an hour, you're going to go to science class for an hour. And in the workplace that we're preparing students for, especially as a high school teacher, I have to prepare my students to be able to use their math reasoning for a job that may not exist yet. So I have always been a big believer that we need to be teaching mathematics more holistically. I need to be helping them develop their conceptual understanding, figure out what the applications are to the mathematics, how they're actually going to use this in the real world. So that is my big key. And I started at a, a charter school and we have an online program that is a, a an addition to our in the building program. And so I've always had an opportunity to teach both in person and virtually. And uh, this pandemic certainly relied on both sets of those skills in yeah. order to teach yeah. our students. True. So you were prepared to, to quickly shift to a, an all virtual setting already. It's almost yeah. like the world was preparing you for this. Yes. I felt so fortunate that I had already had so many years of practice in designing online classes um, that were asynchronous. So I knew that I had some good content that I could give my students if they weren't going to be able mm -hmm. to meet with me. But I had also been growing in my abilities to deliver good hybrid instruction for my students who could be with me synchronously. And so um, I relied on both of those to help me get through this year. And I'm so excited. We have 
I think three weeks left of this school year. And I think that for all the ups and downs, it was ultimately a success. Um, in 1992, Mattel came out with Teen Talk Barbie. And she got recalled for saying math class is tough. This is her. She is my inspiration to this day. No way. I love this. Yeah. 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 So she said math class is tough. And I think math class should be a challenge for students. It should get you to really like grapple with that problem. Try to see like, what are the patterns that are emerging here? What, what sense can I make out of this situation? Um, instead of just, oh, this is so hard. Why do I have to know this formula? I, I got one step wrong and now my whole problem is wrong. So I went into math education with that as my mindset. And I had always wanted to shift the paradigm from just that rote, memorized procedural practice mm-hmm. to that more higher order thinking skills. And so even back in college, my senior synthesis um, was about higher order thinking in math classroom, and it was called more than just X. And that was, I don't know, years before I met my husband and now became more than just X, the educational blogger, and I'm on social media. So I think that that was just like totally divine intervention. Um, and it, it's getting me out there and talking to more teachers and they're shifting their mindsets about what, what are the challenges we really want our students to face? And it's not how quickly can they solve this problem? It's how deeply can they understand this problem? How can they connect what they've learned before to what they're doing now? And I'm just so excited about all those possibilities. Wonderful. Yes. So true. I have a daughter who's in her final year of high school. She loves math, but yet is very honest and authentic and admits full-heartedly it's tough and it should be tough. We all know that if something isn't tough enough to work hard for, then maybe it's not, it's not challenging enough for helping us rise to a a bigger level to find what we're truly capable of. And and that goes in all subjects. So tell us why is it so important now for math to be taught to secondary students in such the, such a non-conventional way, as opposed to, as you told us, the, the industrial model that we've been following for so long. Our students aren't just learning these math skills to go off and do something that is a traditional math focused job. We know that accounting exists and finance sectors will always exist. Uh, mortgage lenders, there are lots of jobs where you can use mathematics purely. But we are evolving in the, in, in the, not just the educational world, in the variety of jobs that we have. So mm-hmm. being able to compute fluently is something that used to actually be a job. Actual people were computers. Catherine Johnson from the movie, uh, well, now we know her from the movie Hidden Figures, right? But she's the the famous African-American mathematician who worked with NASA. She was an actual computer. Her job and our success in space relied heavily on her ability to do those procedures. And that's amazing. And we still need to prepare students for things like that, right? But there are so many other jobs that are opening that are happening now because of you know the changes in technology and the changes in the way the world are working that a lot of the jobs that are coming to the future really rely more on students quantitative literacy so being able to like reason through look at numbers find the pattern see what's Mm -hmm. going to happen 
write, you know, an algorithm if they need to. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's more about that reasoning and applied skills than it is about that procedural fluency. And so if we shift the way we're teaching that in mathematics, we're showing them and modeling that process for them, how to encounter a new situation, what kind of skills you can rely on to reason through that situation, how to discuss your results with your colleagues or your classmates, which is ultimately going to prepare them so much better for the mathematics that they're going to encounter in their future career. It's so ironic that you had mentioned from the movie that we all know. That's the uh, character that Octavia Spencer, is that the one that she plays that role? The main uh, actress in there, yes. Well, let's give credit where credit's due. Katherine Johnson. So yeah, I had recently heard an interesting story that when IBM brought in all this equipment that was going to take over all the math mm-hmm. problem solving that the ladies had been doing at NASA and they dropped it off and she went in there and learned the system, wanted to know the mindset of this system. And in turn, when the IBM team showed up, to demonstrate this new system to all the staff. They couldn't get up and running. And she says, oh, I can do that. And they, yeah. Yeah, So there's still value in knowing Mm -hmm. the procedural aspect of math. You need that to be able to reason through what the technology is going to be doing for you because technology, technology doesn't necessarily make errors, human make errors, but our input could have gotten us something that isn't functioning the way that we want it to. And my students, just like Katherine Johnson, need to know the mathematics, the procedures behind it to be able Mm -hmm. to understand like, why isn't this technology giving me the results that are expected? Mm-hmm. So I, lo- I love that. I forgot about that component. That's a great, mm-hmm. great reminder. Yeah, it is. But there's still the human aspect behind all these machines that are going to compute this information for us in such ease and in um, a, a quick time as well. So this is what I found really intriguing too, is that the mindset about math, and you talk about that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So share a little bit about developing this mindset, which is probably why Barbie got such a hard time because she was trying to tell us, you know, no, it's hard, but you can do it. Right. Right. (laughs) So, um, some buzzwords in education for a long time have been the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And so understanding the neuroscience between Mm -hmm. how the different pathways are formed in your brain and that failure really does mean that you are, are given an opportunity for a new synapse to fire when you finally figure out what's right, right? When you've got that cognitive dissonance happening, this friction in your mind, it's seeking out answers and trying to to go through the different neural pathways. And so you're going to learn something stronger if you actually fail a little bit at it. And so having this approach that failure is not, I'm a failure, this is terrible, Um, I'm terrible, right? It's not owning that, it's, oh, what was my mistake? How can I learn from this? What new information can I glean from this? And so that's the growth mindset aspect where we have these malleable brains that can continue learning new and exciting things. And so Carol Dweck has made that famous for education in general. And then one of my heroes, Joe Bowler, she has taken that on to new levels with mathematics. And so she talks about how to foster a really rich growth mathematical mindset in her classroom. And when you're asking students to engage in problem-based learning or project-based learning where it's messier than just a procedure, they need to really have that comfortability and confidence. And that comes through practicing that growth mindset, that mathematical mindset. Awesome. And this is 
for everyone. You're based in the United States, but you can serve worldwide because math is still the same country yeah. to country. Yeah, that's one of my my favorite things. I think that's a quote in Mean Girls uh, that math is the same in every language, right? There's always mathematics. It might look a little bit different, but the reasoning behind it is the same. And yes, I've been connecting with educators globally. That's been such an amazing part of this pandemic is we're all reaching out to make these connections that we don't have. Like we can't just go down the hallway and talk with our colleagues about what's happening and what our problems are. So we've been reaching out on social media and connecting. And that has just been so exciting to see how the different approaches are in different countries and what kind of projects work in different areas and just, just amazing. I must say what is also amazing, Kristen, is that the way you um, portray yourself, your personal brand, as well as your brand for your services that you offer worldwide, but your your personal brand in itself, I go to your website, I've seen your social media feeds, and it's all about this relationship you're creating. You, you're out there with your beautiful, sunny disposition, smiling, you've got this beautiful font, uh, cursive font on your website, you know, hi, I'm Kristen. And I love that right off the bat, you are setting the stage for this to be an enjoyable experience for your clients. Well, thank you. Well, in being in PR, these are the sort of things that I, I look for. I can build brands for anybody, but myself, forget it. <laughs> And I wanted to ask you a little bit about, I mean, it wasn't in the uh, preamble questions, but I do want to ask you what inspired you to take on such a, a beautiful layout for your presence on the website and, and social media? Oh, gosh. Okay. So relationships are key to everything. Relationships are really like the heart of my classroom. My students have to feel comfortable with one another and they have to have a certain level of trust in there. And so that comes from a lot of really intentional community building. So I know that people are more willing to engage with something that is more challenging if they feel safe and welcome and that their ideas are going to be heard and that someone is going to be there to be that supporter for them. Um, I like to be a lead learner in the classroom, right? Modeling that, like, even if I don't know it, I don't have to know it. And I'm a mathematician. I probably should have learned this math at some point, but I may have forgotten it. So modeling that you can be the lead learner is just another way that we can like make our students feel more comfortable. So in my online presence, I try to bring that out, making it feel like a community, making people feel safe and welcome um, and inviting them to share their expertise with me so that I can learn alongside them. Oh, that is so beautiful. It just, you, we're all in this together kind of attitude. Yes, wow. absolutely. Yeah. Collaboration over competition every day. So behind every brand, there is an authentic and very interesting backstory that really sheds some light on who we are, what we do and why we do it. And so I'm sure that there's one amazing story in your lifetime that helped shape who you are today and also endure through the pandemic. So Take us back to that time in your life that oh, defines who you are today. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, Barbie inspired me to become a teacher and I've known that I've always wanted math to be more than just X, right? Like more than just solving for X, all of these things. Um, I think that there's a few different times in my life where things have shifted, but I think maybe the most recent one and the one that has helped me through the pandemic the most 
is this sudden onset of a chronic illness that we don't know what's happening with me? Um, and my symptoms are very closely related to food allergies. So I, in March of 2018, I suddenly went into anaphylaxis, hanging oh, out, God. trying to put my young son to bed. And um, I, wow. I, my throat just swelled. It felt like an elephant was sitting on me. I didn't know what was happening. My and gosh. so- you know, that's something just so crazy. And I went to the ER and we found out that I have um, allergies to 10 different food items, plus a few non-few items like latex, you know, so like balloons, those can kill me, right? Like that's a terrifying thing to find out. All of those experiences, they completely changed the way that we have to operate as a family. We now have to read all of these different things. We're always careful and considerate with what we're going to be doing, where we're going, what's going to be the safest for me. And really that got me thinking a lot about universal design and universal design is being able to make something accessible to anyone, anywhere. Right. And so you think about that when you think about city planning, there's going to be ramps that are built in. There's going to be rumble strips that are built in to show people like this is the edge of the sidewalk. Um, this is when you're going through the crosswalk where things are. And so I embody universal design in my classroom, trying to make everything as accessible as possible to my students, because I know that their needs are buried. Yes, I have a list of students who are on a 504. Yes, I have a list of students who have an IEP and what their specific accommodations are. But if we can use a, an approach like problem-based learning or project-based learning, where we are automatically lowering the barrier, but not the bar, right? So everyone can access this project and, and show me what they know then we're just able to, to engage so much more authentically and to learn so much more. So, I mean, it's still terrifying having a bunch of allergies. Mm -hmm. uh, my doctors have said I could be a case study. They don't know why I suddenly have allergies. I've been to way too many allergists and, and specialists with no answers, but it's really gotten me to think more um, holistically and to really start thinking about like, how can I better support the people around me. Cause I know what it's like when I am supported and when I'm not supported and when I feel singled out, um, which can be the case or when I feel accepted and that it's all good. And so that's another big part of, of my educational, um, mm. you know, philosophy. Good or bad. Most times it's something quite traumatic because a significant traumatic event normally is what changes our behavior and our habits the most makes us really think deeply about how we're going to get on with life. Yes. And then we combine this with what we feel is a purpose or might actually guide us towards mm -hmm. finding that purpose. And suddenly we have become a brand onto itself, offering a service or product, a consultation, a course, a coaching of any sort, because all of those key elements lined up for a reason. And it's not until the full um, expression, if you will, of the situation that we start to see the pattern or understand why these things have had, had to take place in order for us to reach those higher goals, if you will. And Absolutely. yours is the perfect example, knowing that you had to create a universal design to support all learners because it was so important for you to be supported now let's talk about then, you mentioned engagement and supportive 
you have created something also that helps support the parents that are going through, not just teachers, but parents. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So in my connecting with educators and other people around social media, I noticed that there was a, a need for parents to feel supported, especially with so much at-home learning going on and parents who felt unprepared and often had a fixed mindset in mathematics. They were, you know, portraying like, oh, I've never been good at math. I can't help with this. And so I wanted to make sure that parents felt supported as well. So I often invite parents um, to join me in my different social media communities and to reach out and ask me questions. I've even had a few, um, a few in a fitness uh, membership that I belong to reach out to me and they're like, can you just, can you get on Zoom with my kid and help? And I, I totally did, right? Like you need to be able to support those parents. And so, you know, they can go to my blog and they can read about different best practices with education and, and how project-based learning is going to help their students. They can learn, you know, in my social media, different tips and tricks. They can, you know, join my different groups and mm -hmm. ask questions and get support from myself and other teachers in real time. And I think that that's just so important and letting parents know, like you can be an advocate for your student, you can still support your student, even if the math is beyond them. It's just embodying mm -hmm. that lead learner role. Like, I don't know this, but let's investigate it together. Let's take on this challenge together. So true. We're doing this in many facets of life through the pandemic that we're all in this together and creating those deeper, more meaningful connections because we're all in these vulnerable positions. Mm. I can say full-heartedly as a parent of a, of a teen struggling with her schooling, pre-Cal just about did her in. And the thought of having to do it online for her just was too daunting. Fortunately in Canada, and particularly in British Columbia, because um, of course education varies province to province and state to state mm -hmm. country, we were able to go back into the classroom. So pre-Cal was her first course in September, but still the... Um, there was many outside barriers and, and triggers to the situation that made her learning environment very challenging. If I had had your tools in advance, I could have helped maybe coach her or navigate her through. But then again, as parents, we want to lean in and use all of our, school, our skill sets and our tools, but we don't always have the answers. What do you tell parents to encourage them through these difficult times with their young learners? I definitely emphasize the importance of mindset and not saying I was never a math person. I haven't been able to do this. That oh. puts it in their, their kids' brains that there's math people and there's not math people. Oh my goodness. Right. And so sharing their negative experiences, they might think that they're empathizing with their student in that situation. Like, oh, you know, I really struggled with geometry too. It was so hard, but that's saying to your student, like geometry is hard and I couldn't do it. And you probably can't either. Right. So they're owning that as their new persona and you don't want to project that on them. And so, you know, just encouraging parents to be careful with the types of supports that they're giving their students at home. Like, wow, this does look challenging. Let's see what we can do about it. Let's see what our resources say. Let's see how we can learn this together as opposed to this does look challenging. I remember this and I hated it. It's just a, a few changes in your words can have a huge impact on your students. 
And don't beat yourself up if you've already told your, your, your children that you weren't a math person. Everyone makes that mistake. I have colleagues who tell their, tell my same students, they're like, oh, I was never good at math. I was like, no, please don't. But if you've said it, you've said it, but now you know. And when you know better, you can do better. So now you know that you shouldn't say that to your students, your children, you know that there's a better way to phrase it. Like this is challenging. Let's figure it out together. Oh what tools and resources do we need? So profound that you should say that. I just recently came across this statement. Watch your words. They form your actions. Yes. Watch your actions. They form your habits. Watch your habits. They form your behavior. Watch your behavior. It forms your character. Watch your character. It shapes your destiny. Yeah. Words, they connect to everything. You talk to yourself and your kids. It, it matters. Absolutely. Yeah, that negative self-talk. And I like that how you say it. We kind of imprint that on our children if we continue to use that negative self-talk about ourselves. I used to, well, I'm very fond of math, probably not nearly as much as you, but math was my strength. And so I have seen how my daughter has risen to the challenge. Yeah, math is hard, but she rises to the challenge because I'm trying to model the behavior of, I love math. Yeah. I've always loved everything about education, hard or not. I just love the learning environment. But what yeah. we should be saying to our kids then is words like, things like, we can do this. We can problem solve this together. Right. And it's so great when you can show your kids that you are a lifelong learner. You don't have to <sighs> love math forever, but if you're interested in something, modeling being interested and doing research and learning about it creates just a great learning positive environment in your home, right? And the more that you can model that for your kids, then the more natural those words are going to come like, oh, I don't know, that's interesting. That looks challenging. Let's see what we can do because you're having those same thoughts when you're encountering something new and you're learning something new. Mm -hmm. And overcoming those limiting beliefs. Yes. Which I spoke about at great length in episode 11 with Terry Kozowski, who is also on our group. Yes. Podcast Learning with Jacqueline yes. Malone. Absolutely. Oh, that go-to gal. I'm giving her so many shouts out, shout outs. <laughs> but truly, you know, bringing us together in that sense of community in a, in a podcast pitch workshop was, has formed many beautiful relationships and connections. And I'm very grateful for it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the, the pandemic highlighted how much we all need community and we need people to connect with. And we all sought that out online and we were all able to find those things. And a lot of us shifted what we were doing in our careers we found like a new purpose, a new inspiration, a new reasoning. I I've always thought math was more than just X, but I hadn't formalized it into a blog or started this online presence or started, you know, offering my services to schools independently until this happened when I saw there was a need because I'd connected with these people in my community. And so it's so great. And so you and I were able to connect in another community because I was like, I need to keep spreading the word. I need to get this out there to more teachers give us some links and we'll make sure that they're in the show notes as well. Absolutely. So you can find me on pretty much every social media as at more than just X more with two O's uh, divine intervention on that one there. 
And so I'm at morethanjustx.com. You can go and you can read all sorts of blog posts about project-based learning, blended instruction, student engagement. It's a great just kind of catch-all for all the different things that I talk about. You can also access um, my professional development offerings for the 2021-2022 school year. Crazy to say that. Super excited for a year, hopefully less impacted by Corona. And then if you want to follow me on socials, I am on Twitter. I'm mostly on Instagram. That is where I connect with a lot of teachers, again, at more than just X. And in our Facebook group, the Modern Math Teachers Movement, we have just welcomed, I think we welcomed our 400th member today. So it's super exciting. Yeah, thank you. There's a lot of new people in there and we're going to be doing um, like Q&A lives for the next probably week or so. It was a shift from what I had anticipated, but with so many new people, I want to make sure that I'm serving my audience the best. So jump in that Facebook group, ask some questions. I'll answer it live for you later in that week. That's wonderful. You've got it going on. Your brand is just sailing. I'm so happy for you. So this- And the modern math teacher, can parents who are not teachers still jump into it? Is it sure? You can come and jump in and see what we're up to and and learn about what are the reasonings behind project-based learning. You know, why are my my teachers of my student or of my kids, why are they using these different models for instruction? Come come and learn with us. I want to help all of you learn. So we've come to that wonderful time in the podcast where we do flashcards. All right. Not like a teacher hasn't heard that word before, flashcards. No, I love it. Let's do it. Okay. So I we've talked about it at great length, but you can give me a one-word answer or a sentence or embellish. You the first word, problem solving. Uh, the ultimate goal of math education. Love that. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability. The willingness to fail and accept support and grow from our failure. So true. How are we not supposed to move forward without being completely authentic where we are? Absolutely. Love that answer. Resilience. Every single person who went through this pandemic has demonstrated resilience you have gone through so much and you have come out stronger and better on the other side. You are resilient. Beautiful. Mastery. Ooh. Truly owning that knowledge and knowing how to use it in new and novel situations. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So by that definition, you are a master of math. Would you not agree? Yeah. There's still more for me to learn. I'm not a master of all of it, but I think that I have, have demonstrated mastery in mathematics topics and in mathematics education. Good for you. Definitely. Good for you. So proud of your endeavors. And then one of my favorite questions of all time, what was your favorite book you ever read? Oh my there are so many wonderful books. I think one that has been most instrumental um, is actually one I've read recently. You are a badass. Yes. It's so good. It, you are. Everyone is. 
you can own your own knowledge, your own expertise, your, your own everything. Just you are, you are a badass. Oh, own that. So true. Stand in our truth is one of the expressions I use often. And yes. yeah, whatever that has yes. to be. Yep. Absolutely. Just live it. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Well, you're living it badassly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're, as I said before, your presence online and just here right now on our Zoom call, you have an exuberance about you, an energy about you that is attractive and you will most certainly make those deep connections with your clients. I can see that, how you, why you are doing it so well. And, you. and you're young. And so people can identify, you know, you know this image of this crotchety old professor, <laughs> you know, you were breaking that, that image. Yeah. Yeah. Up. I'm, I, uh, I'm a little older than when I started, but yes, no, I'm, I'm not the crotchety old professor. So yeah. maintain <laughs> that childlike spirit which Robert Greene refers to in his book, Mastery, is that one of our most important strengths, our hidden powers, superpowers, is being able to be connected with our childlike spirit. Because that, when we're young and uh, believe that we are completely able to take on everything and we have these great lofty dreams and wonderful imaginations, you know, we're invincible. Maintaining that mindset is what really propels us towards our mastery. I and love so that. So powerful. That's mm -hmm. a wonderful book. I, I refer to that book quite often in a lot of my podcasts, but we'll most certainly get a shout out for you are a badass and we'll have a link to that in our show notes. Thank you awesome. so much for sharing that. I thought for sure you would say something about, you know, mathematics books. I mean, there's a lot of great mathematics books. I think that <laughs> Mathematical Mindsets by Joe Bowler is oh. super transformative for math teachers um, and for parents. What's math got to do with it from Joe Bowler? So those are my shout outs for math education specific, but for just owning who you are and growing and learning and realizing that you are more than just X, you are more than just whatever narrowed down scope people think is. You are a badass. You are a badass. Own it. Love that. Kristen, this has been so much fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed sitting and talking with you and learning about your journey through mastery, resilience, building up a, a wonderful brand business um, that is serving clients, particularly now and very effectively during the pandemic. So congratulations to you for having that, that entrepreneurial spirit and the right mindset to, to move forward. And Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such a delight to be able to share this story and to share this journey with so many others and to make these strong connections. Wonderful. I wish you well in your next upcoming endeavors and particularly tackling the next school year. As I agree with you, I echo the sentiment, hopefully in a less than COVID environment. Absolutely. So here are my big takeaways from this episode with Kristen. Math is a metaphor for life. There is too much emphasis on the end result rather than the process of arriving at a solution. But no matter what the problem or the subject is, or even the learning environment, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous, it is necessary to alter our perspective. Alter your perspective. 
It's a key to mastery as explained in Robert Greene's book by the same name. When we operate in the conventional mind to solve problems, we become enslaved to this mental shorthand, he calls it, relying on patterns or past experience. But the creative individual resists this mental shorthand by taking a deeper look at a situation with a kind of wonderment. Katherine Johnson and her fellow mathematicians are great examples of this type of mindset at work. Which leads me to my next point. Mindset matters. Green also defines mastery as having a childlike spirit only at a higher intelligence level. The pandemic has forced many of us to take a steep learning journey to discover new processes that in itself has enabled our minds to stay more fluid and adaptable. Neuroscientists call it brain plasticity. It allows us to retain a level of creativity and become more intuitive. As Green states, intuitive power at the mastery level is a mix of instinct and rational thought, the conscious and the unconscious mind. And as children, we have it, which is evident in our imagination and spontaneity. But sadly, over time, we lose it. Masters are able to return to this state, this childlike spirit, which I also say is critical for maintaining the entrepreneurial spirit. You can read more about mindset on Kristen's blog at morethanjustx.com. She's also on Instagram and Twitter at morethanjustx. And again, that's more with two O's. Unfacts is an original podcast brought to you on Anchor FM. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to like, share, subscribe, or even write a review on your favorite listening app. I am your host, Mary Lee of MGG Communications, Inc. Because at MGG Communications, our business is telling your business.